Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Brand Your Practice podcast, where you get to learn about launching, growing, and scaling your private practice. I'm Brent Stutzman, and today we're going to be talking about four financial planning fundamentals for group practice owners. And to help me do that is David Frank. David is a financial planner for therapists and the founder of Turning Point Planning. He helps group practice owners organize, optimize, and protect their financial resources, including their practice. Practice owners will have confidence in their finances and are taken care of so they can focus on their time and energy on what matters most. Welcome to the show, David. Thanks so much, Brent. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, and thanks for dealing with all the technical difficulties that we're having, too, <laughs> on my end this morning. <laughs> that makes well, it fun. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to be talking about the four financial planning fundamentals of group practice owners. But first, I, I'm really glad that we were able to connect because um, the reason why we reached out to you is that we're going to a mutual conference. I'm going down to the Meet You in Kentucky conference, which I think, I believe you're a vendor there. Yeah. Or uh, yes, I'm, I am both a, a sponsor and um, I'm lucky enough to be presenting on stage on day two. So oh, super nice. excited. Yeah, yeah. Double whammy. Awesome. And also <laughs> like uh, financial planning is really important uh, because many group practice owners, if they, you know, if they're scaling their practice, a lot of times they'll find themselves just having new wealth that they've just never had before. And it's yeah. really important for them to be able to protect that. Also, just what to do with do with the money because they're having to flex new um, muscles as as it relates to finances and scaling and being a business owner and all those things. So, uh, thank you for yeah. jumping on and talking about this. So, I'd love to just be able to kind of jump in, and I'll let you lead the way on the four financial planning fundamentals for group practice owners. Sure. Yeah, that sounds great. And I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. It's a, a nice segue into some of the, the financial fundamentals um, because it is it can be such a new experience for folks when they're starting a practice and growing a group practice and all of a sudden things start to change a lot. Um, and so, yeah, I think the, the, the very first foundation, the very first fundamental is what I call sort of a foundation. And it's, kind of, it's really more of a, a mindset piece. And I think it's really, it's something that can be easy to sort of want to skip over or give lip, lip service to, because it's like, no, I just need to know the meat of this. I need to know like the real fundamental, I need to know the things to do. But before we even get to that, I really like to pause with folks and just get clear about like, what are, you know, what are the mindset pieces that we want to focus on? And there's a couple of things that I talk through with, with the clients that I work with one-on-one. -on -one. And the first is just kind of letting folks know that it is okay to be on your journey with this stuff and to allow whatever emotions are going to come up to come up. There's often guilt is one that I hear about a lot, especially when a group practice is growing quickly and there might be more wealth and more cash coming into uh, the, both the practice and the personal side of the owner than they've ever experienced. So just kind of being ready for that emotional experience, because as any small business owner can tell you, there are a tremendous amount of emotional highs and lows when it comes to business ownership. And so just being okay with that and really owning your journey around practice ownership, around how you engage with your finances. One of my favorite quotes on this topic is that it is, it is impossible to be behind on your own journey. I don't really remember where I got that from anymore, but um, I heard it somewhere in the last couple of years. And I just thought, man, that is really um, powerful and really, really important because I think so often when I talk to practice owners, they have this sense of being um, behind a lot of times, um, behind financially um, or just feeling like they don't 
kind of there's a part of them anyway that feels like they don't know what they're doing um and so just sort of exposing that self-talk a lot of the time and just being like okay well how can we kind of work with this a little bit and just just really I don't know, lean in can be such an overused expression, but just to sort of be like, okay, yeah, let's just like sort of look at some of that and, and think about how it's showing up. Um, and another really important part of this foundational piece, I think is just getting really clear about um, your why. Um, what about what we're, what we're working on is, is really important to you. What about yeah. growing a group practice is important? What about engaging in a financial planning process or a personal financial planning process? Just get really clear about why we're doing about that, why we're doing what it is we're doing, what's so important about it. That just kind of helps us stay centered and focused um, and acknowledge that there's a lot of important things that are happening in our lives. Growing a group practice is one of them, and there are usually so many other things. So trying to keep it all kind of in, in balance. Those are some of the, the financial mindset pieces mm -hmm. that I like to think about and, and work on with folks um, kind of first before we really dive into the nitty gritty of financial planning itself. Yeah. Can I... Um... It's been my experience when working with therapists is that they sometimes, um, you know, a lot of times they they feel bad about making money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like there's a lot yeah. of, like you said, guilt and maybe there's some shame even wrapped up in that. But even like yeah. when it comes to the setting their rates and their prices, they're willing to like work for hardly anything. And I've, I was always like, well, why is that? I don't know if they're teaching that in the graduate school or something, but I'm like, it's OK to make money and help people at the same time, especially if you're going to be a group practice owner, like you have to be able to think in numbers because as you scale, you're going to have to hire more people to help run your business and there's overhead costs and things like that. So I didn't know if you ever run into some of that mindset uh, when, when talking Absolutely, with practice yeah. owners. Yeah, that's, it's super, it's super common. Um, and I, I think part of it comes from, you know, I, I'm, I, I haven't gone to therapy grad school or, completed a PhD or anything like that myself. So I haven't been there, but I, I think there is some mindset that comes out of um, the grad school uh, process, I think. Um, but even maybe bigger than that, it's just, you know, when you're an empathetic person and when you want to do good in the world, this is just sort of a, a natural point to come at this stuff from, I think. Like I, I consider myself like a helping profession as well. And, you know, mm -hmm. to be honest, like sometimes I struggle with this stuff too. It's like, I want to price my services such that they're affordable. And I need to recognize that I have for certain financial needs that need to be met. So right. I, I don't know that there's a silver bullet solution, but I think the first step is just to acknowledge that these feelings are present, right? Like mm -hmm. this is almost therapeutic in a sense, but just acknowledge it and be like, oh, I'm having this feeling, like I'm having guilt or I'm having a little bit of shame about not understanding this stuff. And and like, that's okay. Just sort of normalizing it and being like that, that's okay. It's totally normal. Let's not like shove it down or make that feeling or thought wrong. And then you can figure out how to, how to engage with it or experiment with different ways to engage with it. And I think there's, you know, um, therapists know better than, than I do some of the different tools, but just reminding yourself that there are um, sort of cognitive ways you can engage with these kind of beliefs. And I, I like to call some of them limiting beliefs. Mm -hmm. um, it's sort of, there's this, this belief structure, a belief system that we have. 
um, that we, we all have them, right? So it's just like when you feel guilty or feel like you shouldn't be pricing services the way uh, you know you want to or the way uh, one of your financial advisors might be encouraging you to, just kind of to unwrap that and explore it a little bit and just say like, well, what about that is important? Like what's what's going on there? Um, and there's even like some somatic stuff you can bring in too. It's just like, well, what like what's going on in your body? What are you noticing? Right. Just being... Just being really curious about that stuff, I think, is really the gateway to moving through it and understanding what's there. I mean, I think the last thing we want to do is just like blow past it and just be like, nah, no, this is just the wrong thing to be thinking. Mm-hmm. And instead, you know, that's more of a judgment framing and kind of shifted to be more of a curiosity based framing where it's just like, OK, like what all is going on here? So, I mean, there's there's a lot like this is a rich area for sure. And it's a really important one. Yeah. But for someone who doesn't have a master's degree in therapy uh, or counseling, you certainly know a lot because I obviously you work with <laughs> therapists all, yeah. all day long. So, you know, it's uh, similar in my, like I'm married to a therapist and I work with therapists. Mm. So uh, we can yeah. sound like we have the degree, <laughs> but yeah, I love that. The somatic and all those other things, but it's just acknowledging that um, uh, the mindset that, uh, you know, there's, there's, we all have some issues around money at some capacity, right? Whatever, if it's our, our upbringing or, or expectations of others or, or whatever it might be, but giving yourself permission that it's okay to be entrepreneurial and uh, a savvy business owner when it comes to finances. And I love that you talked about knowing your why, because uh, something that I work with in my practice owners is because when it gets really tough and in, in scaling and running mm-hmm. a business, to know your why is really what's going to like help you dig deep and keep moving forward and making the tough decisions. Um, yeah. yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's such an important, it's such an important piece. Um, yeah. Cause it does get tough at times. Just, just that's part of the journey. Yeah. That's part of it for all of us. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So if it's okay, like we can move into sort of like the second uh, financial planning fundamental. And that's, that's what I call sort of using the right, the right data. And, and the titles of these, I always say like right data, right structure, right risk. And the word right is a little bit of a double-edged sword, right? Like, I mean, I don't want this to sound like a judgment of like, oh, you have to be doing this right or else you're wrong. It's more about figuring out what's, what's right for you what's right for you right now. Because as you go through the journey of life, the journey of practice ownership, um, your needs and, and, and what you need to be looking at and thinking about are going to evolve and shift over time. So it's really kind of about meeting yourself and your practice where you are. Um, but the second big piece is finding that right way to look at data. And I think the the challenge is that when you're a small business owner, when you're growing a group practice, like there is so much to think about. It's like, how can we kind of simplify some of those things? And so the, the way I like to think about it is like I encourage folks to be looking both at data in their their personal financial life as well as their practice financial life. And like the biggest piece, um, the, the biggest piece when you're a business owner to think about is what does my personal spending look like? So even ignoring the financials of the business kind of altogether for a moment, just thinking about what is your life look like today? And like, how much does it cost to support your life? You know, whether you have kids, whether you have a, a house payment or rent, you know, we, we all have these kind of quote unquote boring expenses that we just sort of have to take care of and getting clear about what those are and what level of, of income we need to support our, our life. Sort of like perhaps somewhat of a cliched way to think about it is, is what does your great life look like? 
And then what does it cost to support that great life? And this is literally the fundamental building block, the most important piece to build a solid and healthy financial plan is going to be understanding that number. So if like if, if, if listeners take one thing away from this, I think it would be just to get an idea, spend some time thinking about how much does your life cost? And mm. then where where are you you add in that? Are you like you're kind of like living in an amazing life and you're like, I want for nothing. I mean, that's that's not really almost any <laughs> of us, but like, hey, if you're in that spot, you know, awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and just sort of defining like, okay, here's where I am today. And maybe here's where I'd like to be able to, to go in the future. And just like getting clear about what that that number is. And it doesn't have to be perfect. It just needs to be a general, a general sense. So that's I, I think that's the right place to begin when thinking about what type of data do do you need to really craft a solid financial plan for yourself. Yeah. Oh man, that's that's absolutely right. Like knowing the numbers, because knowing your numbers, well, first of all, um, there's a lot of practice owners who don't know their numbers, their personal numbers, like they don't know their own spending and, and taking. And sometimes that's, again, going back to mindset, they're like afraid to look at it because they know it may not be yeah. what they want, want it to be. Uh, and so um, they're, they're afraid to take a look at the numbers. Uh, but also the other thing that I found that if you know your numbers, it takes a lot of the emotions out of the 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 finances yeah. because it's sort of like well here's like here's the facts and data right you talk about the right data here's the data and how can we move forward here what do we need to do with your practice or your personal spending um to get this all aligned to what you want and where it needs to be whether that's paying off student loans or paying off a right. house or or whatever um but yeah that's i have found getting getting into the nitty-gritty of the numbers really takes away a lot of the emotional kind of decision making that is often around money yeah, I yeah I think that's really well said, and um, yeah you know it's just like it's 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 almost like knowing numbers it doesn't have to be perfect but it's just like creating space and giving yourself sort of like dedicated time to look at some of the stuff and start exploring it and it is it is scary and it's overwhelming and I just want like everyone listening to this to know you know sometimes I think therapists can can have some self talk that's not super helpful around some of this stuff and thinking, oh, because I'm a therapist or because I don't have training in this, like I'm naturally, like I'm avoiding things. And this is not uncommon anywhere for anyone. Mm -hmm. It's, It's not just therapists. It's really everyone. When I talk to my peers who are financial planners serving different populations, this is a really common refrain. That's just like, it's it's overwhelming to begin to start to look and think about some of this stuff. And so a very natural reaction is just to be like, ah, just not going to think about it. But, you know, as mental health professionals, everyone listening here knows that when we just sort of ignore and don't look at something, it just gets bigger. And like the, the way you describe it, like, yeah, it's, it's kind of like exposure therapy. You start looking at the numbers <laughs> yeah. and it's like, it's like, but like, really, I think yeah, it's it, just is. Like, it, it can be like super overwhelming. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, dealing with finances. Yes, there's complexity. Yes, there's math involved. But at the end of the day, that stuff isn't all that difficult. The challenging part is is kind of sitting with the emotional experience that comes along for the ride um, and just learning to navigate that piece. So yeah. I think that's like the biggest, that's the biggest challenge. Again, not just for therapists, but kind of for everyone. Yeah. I mean, for us, we started off with like a spreadsheet and then um, 
as our businesses were growing, you know, we, we eventually use QuickBooks and then I was like, forget it. Like I need QuickBooks for just my own personal, <laughs> just to kind of track what kind of our spending habits are. And it's been amazing to see, oh, we yeah. probably spent a little too much here going out to eat, or we need to save a little bit yeah. more over here for college. You know what I mean? Like it yeah. just, and it took, and it made, a, a, allowed us to make decisions quickly and without any of the emotions behind it. Actually, it made us more confident in our decision-making about where mo the money's going. So yeah, the right yeah. data. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's like the great place to, to begin on, on that front. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, we're just kind of hitting some of the highlights here, but I think too, like kind of like the third fundamental that I like folks to think about is like having the right structure and like mm -hmm. structure, like what the heck does, does that even mean? And <laughs> to me, that means sort of like, how do we structure like your assets, the things that you own, your debts, the money that you owe and your, your income, like what's coming into your life? How do we structure all that stuff such that we are maximizing the opportunities to grow wealth over the long term and um, one of the ways that we grow wealth or maximize wealth um, is by minimizing taxes. So it's mm -hmm. kind of structuring your financial life in a way that we grow wealth efficiently and effectively and minimize um, the tax burden. So there is a ton of work that we can do here. But I think one of the, the fundamentals, I think, is sort of beginning to think about um, tax advantaged accounts. Um, well, actually, even I mean, yeah, so tax, when I say tax advantaged accounts, I mean, things like retirement plans, a lot mm -hmm. of group practice owners will begin with a what's called a simple IRA, which is an awesome retirement plan to begin with. But like, as soon as that's implemented, I just want to encourage folks to like, you can kind of come back and look at that. There's so many other flavors of retirement plans um, and other tax advantaged accounts that can help you defer income taxes and just make the most of, of your deductions yeah. uh, that you don't want to just stop uh, once you've implemented um, one thing. That's a little bit more of a sophisticated structure, if you will. But I think some of the, the basics are really the basics are almost where we get the biggest bang for the buck. And that is, again, kind of um, being willing to sit with the emotional experience of, of looking and understanding, OK, what does my tax burden look like? Am I making sure to set enough money aside for taxes such that I don't need to borrow or feel a real pinch of liquidity or anxiety when it comes time to file my taxes? Right. And just, again, being clear and having um, structures in the practice and to an extent also in your personal life, just being prepared um, for that. And I think, you know, one thing, and I, and I think you all use this as well, is this doesn't have to be the right solution, but I think profit first, like that framework can be a really helpful yes. solution for, for yeah. people to begin to, to plan and, and create the right structures in their practice to prepare for growing wealth and, and preparing for taxes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you have to start thinking. Two years ago, we wrote the largest check to the federal government for taxes that we ever did. And I was like, no yeah. more, we cannot. <laughs> I mean, the thing is we, yeah. because of profit first, we saved enough for it, but I was like, there's gotta be a better way. So, yeah. so we, um, so we, you know, we got really smart about, like you said, the, the retirement, Susan opened for her practice, uh, a retirement for the whole group. Um, right. Yep. And to like, you know, bless those who are working for her, but also to kind of minimize some of the, the tax burden as well, but also provide value for, for her and the group too. I mean, there's this, yeah. you know, but it's like, it can feel overwhelming. Um, so I'm really glad that you, <laughs> there are people like you to help <laughs> therapists kind of walk through it because 
um, you don't have to write massive checks to the federal government uh, for taxes. Um, you can be really smart about it. And, um, and that's just the reality of, of practice owners who are coming into this new wealth. Again, it's a mindset. You've just never had to think about these things before. Yeah. Uh, but they're really important. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, engaging, engaging with taxes is, is something that, I mean, no one really wants to do it. It's like, ah, out of sight, out of mind kind of a thing. <laughs> but, you know, you can, it, it's not the type of thing you want to be thinking about just once a year when it comes to filing your taxes. Mm -hmm. And I think equally, it's, it, it can be important to remember that working with uh, someone to prepare your taxes, whether that's a certified um, public accountant, a CPA, or designations similar to that, um, that doesn't always mean that everything uh, is completely thought through. So it's like, I think looking backwards at last year and what happened and accurately filing your tax returns is of course important. And we want everyone to be in compliance with the taxing authorities, otherwise bad things can happen. <laughs> and like, we wanna be like what, what, what you all did, sort of like look forward and just being like, okay, for this current year we're in, or even the year after that, what are some of the big pieces that we can put into place to help just make things a bit more efficient from, from a tax perspective. And at the end of the day, like, yeah, of course, you're gonna have to pay some taxes. And I mean, the thing I say, and I'm pretty sure I, I stole this expression from someone, but I really like it, which is that like, I want you to pay every uh, cent you owe in taxes, but not a penny more. So let's just be creative and strategic about it. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, before we jump to the sponsor break, I'm curious, because you talked about simple IRA. Is there maybe something else that you can share with the listeners, like another way that you like to uh, help practice owners think about saving on taxes or thinking about the the, the revenue that the, how to more strategically use the money that's coming into the to the practice, but also flowing down into their kind of personal life as well. Yeah, so I, I think a simple IRA is a great retirement plan to start with. Uh, the, the simple is an acronym, but it, it is it kind of says it all. It's a simple place to begin. Uh, from there to really take it to the next level, setting up something like a 401k plan, which sounds really complicated. Um, and it can be a little complicated, but there's some really good vendors like Guideline that are out there that make it fairly simple. Yeah. And then you can you can really, the 401k, it's sort of like the what it's known as is, is a safe harbor 401k. Um, and there's a lot of complexity there, but safe harbor basically refers to um, the way that you make sure that the retirement plan benefits everyone who's employed in the practice, not just the practice owner. And that is an important part that you need to stay on the right side of from a compliance mm -hmm. perspective. But then you can add on to those 401ks, like some fancier bells and whistles that might allow uh, you as the practice owner to contribute or uh, contribute a lot more to that retirement account on your behalf, which then has the, the nice benefit of reduce, reducing your current tax bill. So that that's one big piece. Um, and there's also, there can be some just like interesting things um, that you want to make sure that you have someone thinking through and just sort of monitoring what's happening in the tax world uh, because taxes used to be reasonably consistent. And a lot of that changed in 2017 with the passage of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act it's made everything so much more complex that really paying attention to what's changing from a legislative perspective can be really helpful. Just as an example, in the last couple of years at the state level, there have been a lot of optional pass-through entity taxes uh, that have been passed that, that it's basically a fancy game that you can use to play around how you pay your state income taxes such that you maximize or deductions rather from a federal level. And that's it's complicated, but just know like there are 
opportunities out there. And oftentimes you'll want to be working with a good professional who's thinking creatively and strategically to help you manage and minimize that tax burden. Yeah, because not all tax accountants think in this way either. I, I've, I've come no. to those. Some tax are really smart in thinking, but some are, you know, they just do your taxes. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you just hand them the things at the end of the year and they just double check it. So yeah. working with someone like you to kind of think really strategic um, about it and staying on top of things could be really beneficial. Yeah, I think that's a, a great point you make. Just because you have a tax person, I think you have to, again, like lead with curiosity and just be like, help me, you know, talking to them and helping you understand what is that professional actually doing for you? Because you're right, the vast majority of tax preparers just kind of look backwards and make sure that everything's done appropriately. There's some that do an awesome job of looking forward and thinking creatively, um, but just know that simply because you have a tax person doesn't mean that they're necessarily thinking uh, of everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, good. Well, thank you. Well, before we jump on uh, to the fourth and final point, um, I want to remind our listeners about a new resource that you can take advantage of today, and it's called Therasas. Many private practices have an inefficient system for capturing and qualifying and scheduling new clients. And many practices struggle to keep up with the demand of new appointment requests, and whether they're using post-it notes or a notebook or some sort of spreadsheet, potential clients often fall through the, the, the cracks. And even worse, uh, many new client leads are often left waiting for a response. In their moment of need, they reach out for help and they never hear back from the practice. Well, that's why I helped design Therasas. Now, Therasas is a powerful HIPAA compliant software to organize all new client appointment requests using website forms and automation and messaging so you can instantly connect with and qualify new clients. It's easy uh, to manage the wait list that you probably have, and it's also easy to track the steps in the intake process with real-time analytics. You know, it said that the riches are in the niches and the fortune is in the follow-up, and Therasas was designed specifically for the follow-up process. It has empowered solo practice owners to grow quickly and group practice owners to supercharge their intake team. So getting started is simple. The first step is to go to therasas.com and sign up for a demo and a free trial. The second step is if you decide that Therasas will help grow your practice, we can sign you up. And Therasas takes one hour to implement and about an hour to train your intake team. And the final step, step three, you can confidently know new clients are being communicated with quickly and they are not falling through the cracks. Being known as a practice that provides the best care starts at the very beginning when someone reaches out for help. You've worked too hard to build your practice to have client leads go unanswered or fall through the cracks. So level up your intake process with Therasas to capture, qualify, and schedule new clients. See if Therasas is a good fit for your practice today. Just go to therasas.com. That's therasas.com and schedule a demo call and get started. All right. Um, first of all, before we get into our last point, David, I'm curious, how did you get into working with therapists? Because uh, it's such a fun niche to get into, but I'm just curious your story, if you can share yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's a great question. Uh, it's one I get a lot because um, <laughs> it's true. It's like I, I'm uh, I, I just work with uh, therapists, and how did how did it come to be that way? Well, well, part of it is is one of those little pithy expressions that you just used, that expression of, of riches being in the niches. And I I've worked in finance my entire life, but uh, when I was turning forty, which is 
now a couple of years ago, but I, I kind of hit upon this like midlife crisis where I'm like, I, I really enjoy the technical skills that I'm using, but I'm not super passionate about the mission that I'm serving um, by employing those skills. And so that led me down a path to wanting to start a financial planning practice to help folks really focus and take a hold of this important part of their life. And the challenge for independent folks like me when we need to compete with like the huge financial institutions out there is how do you sort of reach the people that that need your help and one of the ways to do that is to by def getting really good at serving a particular set of clients or by serving a, a niche and so i ultimately decided that my niche was going to be therapists and i i found that out or i figured that out um, by working with my own therapist and I had a business coach who's kind of taking me through the process. And, you know, one day the coach just said to me, he goes, you know, Dave, like the world of therapy and therapists, they, they really, they're small business owners. They have a lot of complexity they need to handle. They could really use the help. And you kind of speak the language, you know, like I, I've been, I've been a consumer of pr plenty of therapy throughout my life. And it's really yeah. made a tremendously powerful impact in my life. And so like serving therapists to me just feels like such an amazing way to kind of give back to the community that's provided so much to me personally. And I think it's kind of amazing that I can create, I mean, one of my goals is to create this really powerful ripple effect where if I can help therapists navigate and become more confident and empowered in the world of their personal finances and their practice finances, that allows them to show up and be so much more present for everything else in their life, including in a professional capacity, which allows them to grow their impact for the clients they serve and the employees that they have. And I mean, like, this is really important work that you all yeah. are out there doing. Like it, it literally is changing the world. So, I mean, what I just couldn't imagine a better, better population of folks to work with than, than mental health professionals, because I think it's, it's just so important what you all are doing. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. So thanks for sharing the backstory, the origin story. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Happy to. So why don't you take us into the final point? Yeah. So the, the final point is really thinking about what risk do you have in your life and making sure that you have the right, right amount of risks. Um, and there's, there's a lot to think about there. Um, and I think one piece that I'll, that I'll talk about today is just like having the right pieces of, of insurance in place. And like I said, there's, there's many other pieces out there, but I encourage people to think through, like, do you have the right amount of, of life insurance? and that other insurance, which would be uh, disability insurance. Now, the, the one thing I wanna say, and like just really caution people about, I've seen a lot of this recently, and it's kind of always around, but it seems to be around a little bit more frequently lately, is that there's a lot of um, insurance salespeople out there selling what's known as whole life or permanent life insurance policy, sort of as this solution to every financial need that you might need mm -hmm. um, or might have in the future. And while there can be a place for permanent or whole life insurance, I think for the most part, that is that is an optimization to put on top of an uh, of a of, of a financial plan that has other components. When I'm talking about life insurance, it's really thinking through if we all were to unexpectedly pass away, who is dependent on your income coming in the door that would need some additional financial support? And then using uh, what's known as term life insurance, which is reasonably inexpensive as a way to make sure that those folks are, are taken care of. The other important piece that is less frequently thought of is having some disability insurance in place. 
And the unfortunate reality is, is that we are much more likely to become disabled during our working years than we are to um, unexpectedly pass away. Um, and I've had this um, just even in my own personal social circles, like otherwise healthy and, and young folks who have had to go on a period of disability and without having disability insurance in place, that can create a, a real lot of stress and can expose the fact that there was sort of an inappropriate amount of risk um, in someone's life and they didn't really recognize. So as a, as a, as a fee-only financial planner, my role is really in, a, in an impartial, unbiased way to help folks evaluate like what insurance policies do I really need? Um, so not from the point of buying insurance from a salesperson who might just be wanting to get a commission check, but really thinking strategically about what insurance policies really would serve me in my life to help manage the overall portfolio of risk that I, that I might be carrying. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. You got to, especially if you got a family with kids, you got to be thinking second level support, all those things. So yeah, life, life insurance is important. You know, we, I remember my wife and I, we bought our policies when we didn't really have a lot of money <laughs> mm. yeah. um, and it was a stretch for us to do it, but it did bring a lot of peace of mind. And I, if I was to talk, um, if I was to talk to younger Brent, uh, let's see, we're going to be married. I'll be married 19 years. Um, I would probably would say buy more <laughs> policy <laughs> than you think you need at, at yeah. that, you know, you know, so I imagine you probably help people think through those numbers. Like, um, yeah, like I needed, I definitely needed more than a million dollars <laughs> now with inflation and everything else and young kids. It's like, Oh, I, should have thought through that more. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it is, it's kind of overwhelming how much life insurance can be needed. It's like term life insurance is reasonably ex inexpensive, mm -hmm. but not, it's not free. Um, and, and you're right. Like it, it, it is almost always the case that folks end up buying less than they probably, probably um, ultimately need, um, especially when your income starts to grow um, as a group practice owner and you have financial commitments that, that, tend to also grow as your income increases. Um, so just like thinking thinking that through. And, and life insurance is typically cheaper when you're younger and healthier to right. get and put in place. Um, but yeah, it, yeah. I mean, I would also say like, it's just, you don't have to do any of this stuff perfectly and no one does. Yeah. So it, it's okay just to sort of, like if you've bought a term life insurance policy, like, like awesome, that's a great place to start. Maybe uh, we can add on to that, um, or maybe you don't need to. It's just sort of, again, beginning to look at this stuff and engage with it and develop the practice of engaging with it and thinking about it and just making sure that uh, your things are trending in the right direction, that you're making progress in kind of navigating the risks and, and putting all these financial structures in place. And I mean, I get it. It, it, it is a lot. <laughs> That's one of the reasons like folks like me are, are out there to help folks prioritize and think through all this stuff because you just can't do all of it at one time. It's, it's just too much. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. This is really helpful. And I think it's going to help a lot of the, the listeners today kind of think about because you know practice owners they're they're so much involved in the day-to-day -day work sometimes yeah. it's hard for them to think two three four years out and think bigger than themselves because they're so you know they're so invested in the minutia of the day-to-day -day. so you know obviously you help people out where can people like therapists group practice owners where can they go and find out more about you and and consume your resources yeah, so uh, the best place to learn more about me is my website. Uh, so that website is turningpointhq.com. So 
like the abbreviation for headquarters, HQ. So it's turningpointhq.com, all kinds of information about me. And if you go to turningpointhq slash freebies, just F-R-E-E-B-I-E-S, um, <laughs> that's where all my free resources kind of live, including uh, there, there's a link there to sort of the six financial planning fundamentals for group practice owners, which is kind of a much expanded uh, discussion that uh, we started on today. So I think that's a great place for folks uh, to begin. And, and kind of like you said, it's just to begin to get yourself thinking. It's not like this is some big judgmental checklist that if you've completed all the items, you're good. And if you haven't, you're bad. It's just about exposing you to other things that um, you might just have quite understandably not had a lot of time or bandwidth or energy to focus on and to begin kind of socializing those ideas uh, with yourself. Great. Yeah, we'll have those links uh, in the show notes. This is super helpful. Yeah, obviously, there's two more points that we did not discuss <laughs> today. Uh, yeah. that you should go you should go figure out uh, and discover for yourself. Um, all right. So all the content on the Branja Practice website, podcast and other media reflects my own opinions and you should not should not be taken as legal financial advice or investment device <laughs> advice device. Please seek out the guidance of professionally trained and licensed individuals like David before making any decisions. Some links in the descriptions may be affiliate links. All right. Thanks for listening. And if you found this conversation useful, subscribe to the podcast and please join me again the next time for the Branger Practice Podcast.